Welcome to the DLP Clubhouse. I'm Andrea, and today I have a special guest with me. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, Andrea. I'm Stuart. I'm from Dublin, Ireland, and I run Disneyland Paris Tips for Irish Instagram page, Facebook group, Twitter, TikTok, etc. And we help people from Ireland and people who want to be from Ireland to get to Disneyland Paris. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's so funny. Um, Anyway, let's go on with the episode. So why don't you tell us about kind of, I mean, you kind of already told us a little bit about what you do, um, but why did you create this empire that is Disney Paris Tips for the Irish? Well, truth be told, I didn't actually create it. Um, the original creator is Jenny Darty, and she might be listening to this when it comes out. Um, so she started Disneyland Paris Tips for Irish Facebook page um, basically because there was a Disneyland Paris Tips for Brits page and there was none for Irish. So she wanted to go um, a few years ago and there was nothing there for Irish specific um, trips and, you know, all the little centricities that happen when you're traveling from Dublin, Cork or Shannon. And, um, you know, Irish people like to do things a little bit differently. We like our tea, we like our tea bags, we <laughs> like our, our proper sausages. So all these little tips um, needed to be shared among Irish people. So yeah it's an inclusive group you know we we're big on kind of kindness and every single post is um reviewed nothing fun, no funny business goes on on the page in the group and then the instagram page began about a year ago and just as an outlet for kind of sharing nice pictures and sharing tips a bit more direct exposure to myself and um, i took it up when she was going on holidays to santorini one time so i was like ah, instagram won't work and here we are, 15,000 followers later. <laughs> yeah, it's growing super quick. And you do such good, like you're doing such a good job of being extremely informative, which I think you don't usually get sometimes with the groups, especially on Facebook. Um, that seems to be a lot of filler, in my personal opinion. <laughs> Other people can feel differently. Um, and also one thing I always said, said to you about the people that are in the group is that they're very, very keen to help each other a lot. You know, if anyone has a question, there's always at least a couple handful of people that are willing to give different answers or maybe perhaps the same answer. Um, yeah, and the, ch the chances are that if I'm approving a post, I'll answer the post straight away. So everyone thinks I'm sitting there all day, like waiting to answer posts, but I'm actually just answering it as I approve it. So like it could back up to five or six posts and you just approve them all at the same time and then you answer all the questions. So. Um, everyone who goes and everyone who gets something from the group usually wants to give back because you know they found something or they, they think they found something that someone else doesn't know about and yeah it feels good to give back like I, I got involved in it um, just before COVID we had several trips planned in 2020 all got completely cancelled as everyone knows and mm -hmm. um, I just wanted everyone to know like there was an awful lot of coming and going with COVID rules and a lot of misinformation going on um, and none of it was like, you know, on this side or that side of science versus whatever masks and all that. I just wanted to give people the facts of the rules. And then thankfully COVID has kind of gone into the background a bit now and we can just enjoy the parks and you get back to like, only in the last six to nine months have we been actually advising people on what you can do in the parks when they're normal, you know? So it's great, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, have you experienced Christmas at Dazan Paris? I'm sure you have. No, 
No, no, you haven't. I haven't. No, I haven't. Because um, basically in my house, everything revolves around the October midterm Halloween area. So mm. for the last, like myself and my wife um, met, got married, had our first child in that week in October, not in the same year, <laughs> but in that, for, in that week between kind of like 20th and 27th of October. So we mm. always kind of went on trips abroad and big, I mean, things just so happened to have a first child in that week also. And then you get, you end up having like midterm break from, from crisp, from uh, schools and things. So like that week in October ends up being a great time to go. And obviously that's Halloween and we love Halloween. So we just never got around to going at Christmas because we always thought that Christmas was fine by itself, you know, at home and with family and, you know, and then, um, Lo and behold, there was another level of magic going on, you know, about 300 kilometers southeast of us here. And, um, yeah, so we'll be heading over in a few weeks for our first Christmas. Like, I have obviously experienced it through yourself, <laughs> through, your, through your Instagram page and through your stories and all that you do and other influencers and content creators. And I just can't wait to see it for myself. You know, like I've been blown away by Disneyland Paris this year. And um, as you know, I'm Mr. Positive on Disneyland Paris I, yes. I'm, also, I'm kind of Mr. Realistic but I I think what kind of my viewpoint of Disneyland Paris is still of the viewpoint of someone who goes maybe once every five years you know and and families who are going for their once in a lifetime trip you know mm. yeah I think I think you're right to have a different and more I won't critical is, is probably a bit too harsh but um definitely a more um, probably practical and constructive viewpoint if you're going every week or going every month like I'm, I'm going every probably two months this year and I know people in my group going every month and I know someone else who lives at the gates of Disneyland Paris who goes nearly every week so that's you <laughs> <laughs> I was like that, is that me <laughs> yes um, yeah. I think it's really important for people such as yourself especially because you work with so many people or you give advice to so many people who are really the either first timers or people who really don't go as often as we do. And so I think it's really important for you to have that mindset because it kind of gives you kind of the vision that you need to have in order to help people with little things. Cause you know, me, me and Leisha, whenever we had um, conversations on this podcast, Leisha is even more cynical <laughs> than I am about this on Paris. And um, we often have conversations of like, oh, you know, why are we doing this particular topic? And then we have to remind ourselves that, you know, not everyone knows as much as we do. Not everyone has the the history of the knowledge that we do. And sometimes you have to go back to basics. You have to look at the little things, such as, for example, booking, which I know you are such a great person to go to when it comes to booking hotels and finding deals and and uh, and flights and such, especially for uh, the Irish folk. So I definitely think it's really important to have someone like that. Uh, yeah, well, all the hotels at... in all the hotels around Disneyland Paris don't care whether you're Irish or whether you're French or from, from the UK or whatever. Like, so all of my advice kind of applies to everybody who's going to be traveling there. And um, like every day, I'm answering DMs on Instagram or whether it be questions on the Facebook group about things that I thought were, you know, covered either by you know something super basic on my group or on the on the Instagram page. And I just have to take a step back every day and say, well, hold on a second. Not everybody 
is obsessed by <laughs> Disneyland Paris and not everyone is consuming every single news topic that comes out of DLP report and ED92 and you know just finger on the pulse of of Disney globally like I mean I had a shout out yesterday from a big Irish influencer and got a massive influx of followers on Instagram and that that's great and I love it and it's you know payback for about two months of no followers coming you know <laughs> but you're kind of putting in the hard work in those in those two months laying the groundwork for what comes ahead you know so like in the last 24 hours I was absolutely avalanched with like super basic questions and you do have to take a step back and think that like okay like it's not all about the fact that Disneyland Paris messed up doing something you know in, in a in a season or in a certain show or whatever like some people today, I think the question was, um, I think uh, about, about Avengers Campus, you know, and Extra Magic Time. I put up that it wasn't going to be open during Extra Magic Time. I think now it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. And just in the last hour, breaking news. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but then people but then people were like, oh, my son will be so disappointed or my daughter is so looking forward to the Spider-Man ride. And I was like, well, hold on. It's only one hour in the morning. And they just like are not in the mindset that it's a little tiny you know, one percent. It's a of detail a, of a that people news. wouldn't yeah. quite understand where it, the context is. I get that often, especially when I talk about um, maintenance works. When I because, specifically yeah. talk about maintenance works, the first thing that people ask me is always like, "Oh, I'm so sad I won't be able to to see it." But I'm like, "When are you going?" <laughs> and yeah. some people get really panicked, really scared, and really um, worried by some of the news that I put out, and they're like they either don't understand what was written or they don't understand the context in which well, it I caused an absolute, I caused an absolute meltdown on my group about a week ago when someone asked, oh, what time is Illuminations? I wrote back straight away, oh, Illuminations, oh, I don't know, sorry. <laughs> and I wasn't thinking like, like everyone just calls the fireworks Illuminations. Like, every, like that's it, yeah. you know? That's, that's the way my Facebook group works. Like, it's not like the certain words for, like some call it the light show. You know, it's just, mm. and it's endearing, you know, it's not like that's, that's, you're not working with people who are obsessed with Disneyland Paris. So, um, oh, straight in with like a hundred people asking, oh, why is it cancelled? And, you know, I'm going for the fireworks. Like, no, no, it's grand. There's better fireworks on now. <laughs> and they're Christmas themed, you know? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that is the risk of the job, of the, of the hobby, I suppose. Mm. And the next question I had on here actually is to do with questions. What is the most like, common question that you get either on your Facebook or Instagram or any of your other platforms like which is what is the question that you get that you're just like I want everyone to know the answer to um I'm clueless help me I've no idea where to start that is that is like I'm just like okay and I have like a template in my you know notes app that I just go well start with this because I don't think that anyone can go massively wrong by flying into Charles de Gaulle, staying three nights in Sequoia Lodge and, you know, doing a private transfer from the airport, you know, and then that's all they need to do, really. Like, they don't need, like, I can provide, I don't charge for this, but <laughs> I probably should be, I can provide an itinerary, like, you know, of walking around, like, same way you can. We're like F1 drivers, you know, for Disneyland Paris, the parks. Mm. We can tell you, like, go around to the left, what you have on your left, what you have on your right, what's 100 yards ahead, etc but a lot of people don't need that detail and a lot of people shouldn't have that detail because they miss out then on the magic and 
like the best moments in Disneyland Paris for me are those unplanned moments. Like I remember a year ago when, you know, COVID was pretty, pretty high at the time. We were wearing masks outdoors. It was October 2021. I was there for Halloween week and we had the, um, the, the kind of princess cavalcade going through with starting now, you know? Yeah. And that was echoing through the, through the park. And I didn't have a plan to kind of go catch that, but we saw it coming through and I absolutely just took my daughter by the hand and nearly dragged her along the floor. Oh. And we ran right behind the cavalcade and we were just singing and dancing like a private audience with the princesses. And it was totally unplanned and it was totally magical. And like, those are the moments that, that you live for at Disneyland Paris. Like if you want to do it step by step, minute by minute, and totally, you know, trash out all the rides with a premier access pass, go for it. But I'm truly a believer in like a good balance of planning and allowing yourself to just like be taken on the ride of what happens in the parks in front of you, you know. I completely agree. I think if you plan too much, especially when it comes to reservations, I always tell people never do three res- three reservations for dinner or dinner, lunch and breakfast all in one day because you will completely make yourself silly with worry and stress yeah crazy crazy yeah like if you have i have gone on several trips now where i have not eaten in a buffet restaurant or a sit-down restaurant like as we call them like you know table service because I, as you well know i'm a big fan of certain counter service restaurants <laughs> killed by cookout and um, and those places kind of completely fill you up like you could, you could go to like i went with my daughter there for like one and a half days um, last month, last month October, mm-hmm. yeah, and we did uh, Bellanate, Cowboy Cookout, uh, Stark Factory, and just like everywhere was like twenty euro for the two of us included, and we were full. And no part of me wanted to be, you know, paying forty euro and then thirty euro for ourselves going to a buffet, or like same same price going to um, a table service place like like Remy or um, Captain Jack's, you know, just like, I want to get in there, get fed, get back out in the parks. Yeah. But meal I mean, plans, I suppose, meal plans kind of bring people in because you have to understand with the planning side of Disneyland Paris that people are just um, like overcome with anxiety because they're spending like, you know, an Irish holiday three or four nights is three to 4,000 euro. And this could be wow. their first holiday in, in, in a long time because of COVID. And they want to get everything right. They feel that pressure for their kids and mm. they feel that pressure on themselves. And, you know, at home, they probably have their comp- all their days planned out. You know, they're making lunches at half five in the morning and they just want to know ahead. That's why, like, you know, pages like a, a YouTube channel like Sam for God, like she goes around um, the parks and literally shows you every corner or every room. And that's what people want to see because they want to kind of, treat that anxiety of knowing what's going to happen when they get there um mm. so um but definitely like the, the balance has to be struck and i suppose going there so much as you do and so much as i do we have that because i can go there for a few hours and i'm happy i'm happy with that you know because i know i'm coming back next month or the month after but i mean how would you feel if you someone told you this is your last trip to Disneyland paris for five years yeah i mean it would suck <laughs> Yeah, but like, what would you do different? Yeah, what would you do different? You would be like, you would be out there with the notepad, and you'd be like, "Gotta do this, this, this," and did I miss this? And I'm gonna miss this so much. Mm. It's tricky. No, and that reflects on, especially when I think about my content. 
my most popular videos always tend to be either me showing spaces or the um, merchandise videos because people really get anxious about what's available and they want to know exactly where where all the stuff is and they want to know how much so that they can plan as much um which i guess for a lot of people it's a part of the fun to plan and to to kind of hype themselves up but i do think people need to be really careful when it comes to like expectations <laughs> because yes you won't be able to get everything that you want you will not be able to do everything that you need and to be honest if you think about it in a in a more positive light if you were able to do everything, then Design Paris wouldn't be as special because there are so many things to do that whenever you do come back, you have other things to experience that are new. And a part of what we just said prior as well, to not plan every minutia of your day. <laughs> like there is, yes. I always tell people, have your top five things that you really want to get done during one day. It could be going to one restaurant. It could be meeting a couple of characters, specifically going to see a show and anything else after that. It's just extra magic that you have onto your day. If you have an itinerary of 10 things to do, you're going to be disappointed. And I definitely put this point towards families <laughs> because um, people with children, I feel, I don't know about you, tend to have the most expectations when it comes to getting things done because obviously they want to make sure their kids see everything and do everything and have the most magical time but I do think people of often forget that kids have a very short amount of battery life for a day um, and people just tend to get really stressed and really worried and really I don't know tensions are very high at Design Paris from what I see often when I go into the parks. Yeah definitely like as a parent I can entirely relate to that and I don't know how I would I would treat Disneyland Paris differently if I was going every five years like I said as a parent because if you're if you're not going that often you're with your child at a certain age and you might have two or three children so if you're going with a three-year-old and a six-year-old you know if you're not going for their five years they're mm -hmm. going to come back as an eight-year-old as an 11-year-old so it's going to be a totally different experience like you're totally and it's, it's terrible because you're totally projecting all your own kind of worry and guilt is a very strong word but like <laughs> you want probably what you didn't have you know growing up mm -hmm. and you you want to be it's a, it's a control mechanism really like you want to be in control and give them everything that they that they wanted and you've probably been building up you know for a long time for this trip and um they won't like you know my my time with my kids in Disneyland Paris is very different from home time. You know, they get way more screen time <laughs> when we're over there because how do you queue like 60 to 90 minutes for web adventures or something like that Oof, without yes. screen time? It's just like, it's great. Like, you know, you can only get through a pack of cards so many times. Mm. And like, it is it is terrible because it's a very different experience. Um, like I've gone solo, obviously as an adult, um, meeting friends over there and things. And it's a totally different experience than uh, being with with young kids and then being with like older kids because older kids are kind of like little friends you know they find you do have to remember that they're going to hit a wall during the day and they're going to need to like the playground like you might think what the hell is there a playground it isn't on Paris for kids need the playground it's kind of like some sort of feral release for them you know they get <laughs> they extract energy from the playground somehow I don't know how it works but like oh we went with our 
um, that what but then one and a half year old daughter in July and it was very challenging experience as, as you have advised that um, yes. under trees are free for a reason under trees are free because they are work they are they are actually probably um at the best of times they might smile at the right time for the picture and you can tell them in a few years about what they did and they won't remember obviously but at the worst of times they can they can seriously hinder the enjoyment that your older kids are going to have and yourself so um we will be partaking partaking in a trip without our youngest <laughs> in in the in the in, in the very short uh future <laughs> let's say that but um i look forward to going back in a few years like i'm gonna have a in some stage in the future i'm gonna have like a four-year-old and an eight-year-old at the same time so that's gonna be great but i'm gonna have an awful lot of trips more so by myself <laughs> for, content, for content and research purposes obviously yes of, of course of course of course i i have experienced this on paris with um an eight month old it was extremely um like you said it's very challenging because they obviously got a different body clock situation going on to everyone else and it can be extremely tiring for a parent because obviously at that age, they're still very dependent on you. <laughs> you know, these. Well, an eight month old is much easier than a one and a half year old. Like, we, we brought our youngest at seven months as well. Like, um, mm. when was that? October. No, I've totally lost track of time. Yeah, October 21. Yeah. And then July 22. And October 21 was much easier. You know, the child was not walking, not talking. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, you know, kind of baby yeah. food in a, in a, in a carrier. Um, you know, great. You could step on to pirates in the carrier and absolutely fine. You know, if you want, you say go for a nap and they go for a nap. But the, the one and a half year old, 40 degrees in July, <laughs> we went during oh. the hottest week. And like, thank God Davy Crockett's had a good aircon. Uh, top tip uh, over uh, Village Nature is Davy Crockett's for air conditioning. Um, but yeah, it was just very challenging, you know. It was, you know, kind of pulling out. He wants to walk, wants to emulate the older child. And we had mm. to split them up several times. We had to kind of go, okay, you go one child, I'll go with the other child and just do separate holidays for a few hours. So not to think about, but it's all good. It's all it's all good, you know. We have we have pictures of, of us, the four of us in front of the castle covered in uh, four or 50 frozen ice creams. <laughs> That's funny. Actually, to be honest, when it comes to summertime, I always advise people not to bring kids under three because the heat itself could be extremely dangerous to your children, um, especially yeah. if they're really, really young, specifically at Design Paris because there's really nowhere to hide. And after this year, um, Design Paris hasn't been very willing to put air conditioning, let's just say this, um, especially in the hotels. Like They have been very much like, yeah no there's no ac here you're just gonna have to deal with it the cms are gonna have three outfits a day to wow yeah it just summertime like specifically end of july beginning of august mid-august it's just too hot to bring little ones even as an adult <laughs> i was dying i was really really warm so just be careful with that one i think specifically. but now they can say oh, it's because of the because the gas prices and the energy prices, you know, you can't run the air conditioning, you know, but but like Disneyland Paris hotels and in general, like I, as an Irish person, French hotels run very warm um, in general, even during the winter, yeah. they keep them very warm. I agree. Um, so 
I don't know why that is, but um, that's something we have to tell a lot of people, you know, because we're we're used to like cold during the night over here. You can see your breath, like, <laughs> and um, it gets very warm all year round over there. Yeah, I mean, this winter is absolute. Well, it's not even winter yet, but I'm freezing my ass off here. But this year we're gonna have a little bit diff something different because, of course, there's a cap on um heating this year as well so it can't go over 19 celsius so if it's really really cold during the winter in january uh which normally we can get up uh, down to like 10 minus 10 it's not going to help much <laughs> so just make sure that you're prepared for that as well yeah um, 19 is not that not that warm like it's not especially you have, my to, house you and have like, to obviously think about yeah. how cold it is outside because obviously if yeah. you put the heating at 19 it's not going to be 19 in the room so and then you're like oh, i'll just put on another blanket or whatever but you don't get that much in hotels no. <laughs> like, i posted a picture of my room there in in the b&b hotel in torsi and it was like a double bed with one pillow and one duvet <laughs> and that's all like everyone's like oh that's so sad <laughs> i was like no there's another pillow there's another pillow open the open the wardrobe but um like yeah you, you don't it's not as if you're at home and you don't have all these blankets you can just throw over yourself and, and that kind of thing but um oh we'll get through it don't worry we'll get through it in five years time when the whole world is covered in solar panels and windmills we'll be laughing about this uh, energy crisis It'll be fun. yes exactly um i'm just gonna ask you a couple of quick questions and you can just respond <laughs> which is your favorite ride at Disneyland paris big thunder mountain big thunder mountain why yeah because I am not a roller coaster guy. Um, either my head and my heart medically can't handle it, can't handle like, you know, Space Mountain, Fly Force. Um, there's also warnings in front of these rides saying don't ride them. <laughs> um, and I have like a bad back. Um, so um, I've been on Big Thunder Mountain where I've kind of gone, oh, oh God, there I go, you know? So that's the limit of my physical exertion in the parks is Big Thunder Mountain. And it's definitely like my first. And I won't say my first, but like the one time that I'm kind of like, okay, yeah, hit me with the adrenaline, you know, I'm fine with that because yeah. I know where the limit is. Um, but as well as that, it's outdoors. All you have is fresh air flying into your face, apart from the first like 10 seconds, the last 10 seconds. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Big Thunder Mountain, like my 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 six-year-old daughter now is, is obsessed with Big Thunder Mountain. We, we um, have funny stories in the family. Like we brought, we went in 1998 and brought, um, my mother on Big Thunder Mountain telling her that that was the queue for the toilets and we had to get the photo pass because it's the first and the last time she's going to be on a on a roller coaster ever and then we went more recently with um, a couple of fa family members um, and unfortunately it was like the first or second ride for the, for um, like a very kind of um, how would you say not a fan of roller coasters the six year old mm -hmm. at the time and she's now completely scarred for life because of Big Thunder Mountain but my five, my then five year old is obsessed with Big Thunder Mountain, so I love it. I, I think it's great. Like I, I've I've written it twice in a row, Max. Um, so I might see if I can do it more than that somehow, finding some sort of loophole in the system. Twice in a row is 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 like intense. Like I it, mean, like straight intense. on, straight, like yeah. It's great for Parents summer though, walk. with all the the wind yeah. in your hair. Um, yes. wh Which is your favorite restaurant at Desan Paris? Um, if I was to walk in and say, "Right, feed me." my favorite food it would be downtown but if i was to walk in with 50 euro and say right 
feed yourself as best as you can with that for the day. It would be like probably cowboy cookout and then um Bellinotte. You know, feed yourself for the whole day. I mean, like downtown, I wanted to talk to you about this because I know you're kind of flip-flopping a little bit on on downtown versus PIM. I know they're very different experiences. Mm. Um, I have downtown and PIM clashing in December. And my wife has never been to PIM, so I'm kind of like, oh, you have to go go see it, you know? But we love downtown so much that we're kind of like, well, are we really going to give up downtown for PIM? And then there's also the issue of location and timing and stuff like that. So, but like... What would you do if you were if you were just given one to eat in for the for the day and you couldn't go to another one for another six months say? Where would you go? Downtown it has or to be downtown because I haven't been able to get a reservation for ages. <laughs> downtown. <laughs> it's very Pims small. Is easy. Yeah, yeah. Pims is quite easy to get a reservation for if you're really good at looking for reservation times, even without having to call reservations or do anything else special. But downtown is um by the way, they don't actually put any reservations on the app anymore because it's so um, busy just with hotel guests that basically yeah. you have to go you have to go there to actually get a reservation now or they if you're a hotel solo, guest you call up solo travelers hmm? so if you're if you're looking for a table for one you can get a table pretty pretty easily downtown yeah the reason why is cuz they reduce the amount of tables in the restaurant now so it's even more, more <laughs> yeah more. Even, it's even more exclusive now guys but if you want a reservation and you're not a hotel guest and you're not on the dining pan you have to go there in person and just basically ask if they have wow. anything open but they have so many like rooms they have another room across the corridor that serves the kind of overflow room don't they um yeah but it's, it's besides it's, superhero stage the reason why is that they're trying to basically to streamline a little bit better because obviously it was a bit messy with everything going on um so that's what i've been told by the the hotel um concierge people that they're just trying to get it to streamline a little bit better and not to have too many guests walking around and just moving around too much um yeah again it's just i wonder because... are they happy i wonder are they happy with the, the, the how hotel new york is going since the revamp obviously like it's probably mm. bringing in a lot of money but like you know, downtown manhattan skyline bleaker street you know God, we we done recently so like I wonder um, in the kind of annual review of hotel managers, are they are they happy with how everything's performing? I'm sure they are because it's one of the ones that is so popular because people just want to go and experience it. Um, the most busiest hotel, though, is Newport, but only because all the upgrades, all the anyone who's got an upgrade or anyone who's getting um, kind of like a special treatment automatically goes to Newport so that's why Newport okay. I don't recommend anyone going to Newport this this year or next year because it's absolutely a mess even the people who work there don't like to be there right now because it's absolutely messy um but yeah I would say probably um New York is probably the best hotel at Disneyland Paris right now see, I think they could, I think they could probably put the prices up higher in New York at the moment well they, they want to <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> they did but no one bought any oh, okay, that's, okay that's the problem I, I, I don't mean it, like the yeah i don't mean the suites but, i just mean like the regular rooms yeah no the, everything was more expensive when they launched it yeah. and basically within the two weeks they had to reduce the pricing because it was it didn't even sell out in the first week for, yeah. for its, opening. It's, it's the it's the ceiling you know if someone is coming to me and they're like okay money no object 
all you can go is New York. You know, even if they're not a Obviously. huge Marvel fan, that's just where they're going to go. But at the time, the pricing was like more than a thousand per per day in the just for a standard room. Yeah, and people were not. Yeah obviously willing to pay for that and so they had to reduce they've reduced it twice just in the first six months of it being open because like they think, needed people to come in i think people are a bit uh pressurized into the whole marvel thing um only in the last like an, an hour before i came on here to you somebody was asking off you know marvel mad kind of three-year-old and we want to go to hotel new york and i'm like what is the three-year-old gonna what is the three-year-old gonna take in from 600 euro a night that that's not going to be able to be taken in from walking around the hotel going into the shop you know having a look at spider-man and, and iron man on the screens in skyline and and then popping off to avengers campus like like mm. i don't under, i don't really understand um but a lot of people just go walk into a travel agent and say i want the best hotel no so tell me what is your conclusion after um five months Oh, five months to the day, is it? Yeah, five months to the day of Avengers Campus. Is it four months? months? Sorry, maths. Maths, I'm bad at maths. <laughs> I work in finance and I'm bad at maths. Um, Avengers Campus, after four months, what is your hot take? To be honest, I think it's such a beautiful land. I'm just sad <laughs> that maybe God, it's half and half situation with, with, with me is that I love it so much. I love the characters. I love the interaction. I love the shows. I love the 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 things that happen within the land are so cool. And actually, from what I've heard from people who have experienced um, Campus California and Campus Paris is that they prefer the the things that happen in Disneyland Paris. My irk about this land has always been the fact that Disneyland Paris has really tighten the strings of the purse on Imagineers and you can tell because things are just like not completely realized you have a feeling each time I go into that land I, I always have the feeling of I know that people who created this land had bigger plans for it or had bigger aspirations for this land and you can kind of see that things are like not half done they're fully well done it's just it's not to the extent that I know that they would wish it to be and you can see that with the rides because the rides break down like every 10 minutes. Um, the technology on web doesn't always work very well. Um, let's not even talking about Fight Force being the big poo-poo of a, of a ride that it's turned out to be. You know, it's worrying the fact that there is a ride, a new ride, and it's not even hitting the 30 minute mark most days, yeah. weekdays. You know, especially because there's not a lot of rides to do in this park. Um, and it's supposed to alleviate that for all the other rides. AKA See, but Flight Force, I, I have a massive question about Flight Force here. And it's like the elephant, it's the 1 million euro question is the 1 million euro TV that is in the queue, you know? And then, and then they have like, you know, I think it's three like random Aldi 42 inch televisions counting down for the for the go you know and then you have very few from what I see in point of view videos like very few um you know screens on the ride you know unlike Space Mountain say like so mm. that has to be a, a managerial slash project decision that they went 
with or it has to be more than meets the eye there like maybe they just had a tight budget till the very end and then someone came in and said no this is not working put a million euro tv in there because that tv is amazing yeah. <laughs> but like it's a million euro I think for them, yeah. it's it was a matter of. I mean, I I know from Stark Factory the story in which that happened, um, which is very sad. It's very much like you can either have this or you can have this. That was very much yeah. the the creation of Avengers Campus Paris. It was like you can either have these props or you can have this technology, uh, and that's how Pims also was created. It's, it's it's very much like you can have the real deal, but the rest of the restaurant looks shite, <laughs> or you can have. <laughs> The screens instead of the real thing and you can paint the rest of the the whole thing as you want um with flight force it was a matter of the queue was everything really the queue is where the money is because yeah the, the queue is the ride the track <laughs> is the same the ride vehicles are just painted over and they weren't even fixed properly because let's not even go into the fact that people still jingle and jangle around that uh, with the screws loose um it is it's rough i hear it's rough yeah it is really unfortunate because it had so much potential, especially because you know, Rock and Roller Coaster wasn't even a bad ride for most people. It really could have been such an easier. It to be honest, all it needs is some more effect and more storytelling within the ride to make it something yeah. better than it was. Um, I think they can fix it. I th- I have confidence they can, they can fix it. They can totally fix it, and I don't think it would cost them that much more to be honest, to fix it in a way that it would make sense. Like, sure, I would prefer them to get new ride vehicles, but I mean, that's not going to be realistic at all for Disneyland Paris. But at least the storytelling within the ride itself could be much better and could be easily much better. You know, we see the same technology, like like you said, in Space Mountain. It's not that far off. Like, how much did Brie Larson cost? (laughs) Versus animatronic. It could have got, like... I know Iron Man is obviously a robot, so it kind of feeds into the theme, but like um with Avengers Campus, like back to Mr. Positivity here, okay? So yes, go ahead. <laughs> I, I love it. I was I was completely blown away. I was like, Oh yeah, the, just, the first I, time, I felt the first time I got in there with the AP preview and then the cast the cast member preview before and AP preview, I was so it was enchanting, it was wonderful, it was fabulous. And I love the fact that the characters just walked around in peace. But the, the problem just became the fact that there was guests. <laughs> For me, <laughs> yeah. the guests ruined so much of the experience and I didn't even see it coming. Like I didn't even predict it coming, but it was just kind of like people misbehaving at Disneyland Paris really just made the whole experience different. Like it's not as, it's not as sporadic and, and of course, like some of the stuff is damaged. <laughs> Some of the stuff just looks weathered and just not looking that great. Yeah, don't put your kids on your Asgardian platform. (laughs) Oh, don't even get me started on that one. Like the fact that they brought it back for one day and it was, people were sitting on it. Like, I I think it's always going to be a problem. Um, I can't work it out really. I I think it might be location situation. I know that like, obviously if you're saying guests and like if, you know, eighty percent of guests are French. Then you're kind of saying that it's, okay, it's French guests, but it's not. Like I think, I think at Disneyland Paris versus the American parks, I think language barriers. I've thought about this a lot, but like I'm trying to find excuses more so than reasons. <laughs> like language barriers, language barriers tend to increase anxiety for a lot of people. 
and they yes. act in ways that they act in ways they wouldn't if they could be called up on it in the language that they understand. So, mm. I mean, if if this was everyone speaking English and somebody put their kid up, like, and <laughs> somebody would shout, say, get that kid down, you know, like, they would, <laughs> whereas, like, what do you say if you're not sure what the language is speaking? Like, I've, I've, I've been in the park and experienced, yeah, I think if you spend any time in Disneyland Paris, you experience some sort of rudeness or some sort of we'll moment see where something kind of take, really strange. <laughs> yeah, you're kind of taken aback by, did that just happen to me, you know? Um, but back to Avengers Campus and my, and my wave of positivity here, which mm-hmm. I want to contextualize at the end, um, is that I was expecting, before Avengers Campus opened, I was like, okay, Hotel New York, um, we're on kind of two out of 10 on marvelness of what they can do. Because there was like, the characters were not roaming the hotel. I mean, they had the hotel pretty much locked down for a long time with, you know, COVID passes and things. And then they, they're still going with the, with the exclusive, um, you know, Avengers meet in the superhero station. So the really like the, the marvelness of the hotel is a bit too classy for its own good. You know, it's a bit like, okay, here's art. All people want to see yeah, is I like characters. That, I like oh yeah. That. And it, it, it does. It hits, it hits a certain note with some people, but before Avengers campus opened up, it like they weren't really squeezing the juice out of Marvel in the no. hotel. I felt as, as a, as a whole property, you know, Marvel was very low down. Like even like, it doesn't even have, I know we have illuminations now for a long time, feel like decades, but um, there's no Marvel fireworks anywhere. You know, so there's no mm. Marvel night show apart from like the best night show that I've ever seen in Disneyland Paris, and they've done it like twice, and they won't bring it back. <laughs> the Avengers moment. Um, so, and I was in Davy Crockett's, and that was going on over there, and I was like, oh god. So, I will add that I think that Avengers Campus is um, elastic in its cost basis. Like, I think mm. they, ha- they probably have to do that. And a lot of the costs that can ramp up, they can, that can be easily done by hiring and things like that. So, like, I think that, you know, when you're building this, they didn't know how it was going to go. You know, they probably signed off on the budget in, like, 2018, 19, and they weren't, like, and then COVID hit, and they probably had to, like, pull that back a bit, you know, and, and just make kind of blank spaces that they could hopefully build on. But, yeah, like, obviously somebody got to go ahead for Friday. That was a massive budget spending, you know, you know, who came up with that? But then that whole area around Stark Factory and the, you know, the Gamora and Star-Lord coming out doing their dance, that whole area just feels like, okay, we have a bit of blank space over here. Can we do something over here? I know they do it in, in California too, the dance off, but um, yeah, it just, I think they could do it some more, I don't know, just money, I suppose. <laughs> I think you're right though. The space itself works really well. Apart from the only thing I will say is that there's parts of design, and this is this when it comes with the bis- misbehavior of guests because some of it is well, a lot of it is misbehavior of guests, but there's also a part of me that was like, surely the designers of this land would know what people are like at Design Paris and could have designed things a little bit better to preserve the space well. You know, oh, the Avengers Campus shows, like mm. the Avengers Campus shows that are on the rooftops. That's crazy. Mm. Like the rooftops are too high, and you yeah. have to stand really far back. You have to block up the entrance to Pym. You have to block up the kind of you know central plaza in Avengers Campus. Exactly. And it doesn't really work. Like if you look at the California um, shows, where like Black Widow is fighting Taskmaster and things like that, like they're kind of medium level. Do you know, they're mm. they're obviously safe up there from guests, <laughs> but. 
you can see their feet and i don't i don't think kids can see anything like yeah especially the the show with um black panther and black widow up that that is really high really really high up and yeah it just kind of makes a huge um backlog of people in that specific area which kind of is the biggest space that they have obviously out of the entire land but this is what i said to um one of my friends was like they really need to use motorsports action as a stunt show place for Marvel things, because yeah. as as good as it as nice as it is to have things happening in the land, the land is too small to have things really really bombastic, and have everyone feel satisfied because it's really small. And they're doing the best that they can. It really is working really well, but they need to use the the motor space and just changing it to Marvel, just because it's just next to it. They can really do something extra and they can actually do something that they actually want to do because you can tell that things are a little bit restrictive for the people who are creating the shows and things like that yeah do you know what i see going in there let me just do my dr strange thing here for a second i'm gonna go into the future i'm gonna see all the options and they are (laughs) gonna put the spider-man animatronic in that space because they're not going to be able to retrofit the spider-man animatronic like on top of web adventures yeah, like, I mean, while, while the motorsport open, show, like the motorsports arena, is so well built already. You really yeah. don't have to change it that much to make and it you have space for like five hundred people. Like, yeah, reducing the queues everywhere. It's such a it's such a good space, and it's not being utilized for obvious reasons. There's nothing to do with that. We, we might but... it might take some queue away from um, cars road trip. You know, <laughs> <laughs> God forbid. <laughs> Now, now, hear me out. Hear me out. That hits different at night time. It does. Like, it's a saving grace. That ride is my go-to, I'm too hot to walk. Yeah, too tired. Yeah. Then you have to walk really far to get there. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's it's a bit of a way. But but I always think of that. If you're already going to Remy's, you're already kind of like there. So you just have to walk a little extra. To be honest, I love the queue because the queue is so open and so, like, like the queuing spaces are so nice and open and large that you can literally just have a good chat with people and just stay there for a while. You have to go and see the laugh and go food truck. Oh, that. Oh, Rob. Rob always makes a laugh when it comes to that <laughs> freaking truck. He's I so positive the, about the, the truck. I, I can't. The Avengers Campus one. Uh, this is. Don't even get me started with food at Avengers Campus <laughs> because I get so. Apart from Pims. Apart Where's from the Schwammer? Oh, sorry? Where's the shawarma? This is the thing. I've, I've literally been saying to people, where is the Marvel food? Like, where is the Marvel food? Can you know. think of any Marvel food we have that that's not in Pims? Um, there's an ice pop, a Spider-Man ice pop you can get from that food truck. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, so the hot dogs expensive. are nice, but they're just standard kind of Casey's 11 euro for a very basic hot dog. Well, the thing is, I prefer um, the hot dogs at Casey's because they have better, like, accoutrements on the top. Like, at least you can get a Doritos onion hot dog. As much as I don't like Casey's, at least you can get that there. The one in Avengers Campus is, like, so basic and equally as expensive. So, tacos. and the fact that... Where's the tacos? Seriously. But the thing is, that there's so... A lot of the Avengers food is so much street food. Like, quick, cheap street food. And we have none of that. Cheeseburgers. Exactly. To be honest, I wish lot, that those were in Stark Factory. 
because you could easily yeah. just put them out and god oh, you know me and food stew it's just like yeah but even in pims they could just just a, a little a little label above the cheeseburgers saying these are morgan's cheeseburgers like yeah. just that would cost nothing i could do that i'm gonna walk in i'm gonna walk into pims i'm gonna put a nameplate above the cheeseburgers and call them morgan's cheeseburgers or happy's cheeseburgers you know <laughs> so, like just just do your homework guys I think that's for me the biggest with I think anyone who's gone to the American parks and comes to Disneyland Paris, the biggest shock for you will be food. And not Big only time. will it be food, but it will be the fact that there's no theming to food. Like there is yeah. no sense to the food is what I'm saying. It's like a lot of like how many Mickey shaped foods is there at Disneyland Paris? Not many. Well, it feels like a, cater- a catering company runs it Disneyland does. Paris. <laughs> You know, it feels it feels like someone, some massive company that owns Nutella, runs Disneyland Paris Food Incorporated. And, I mean, you know, <laughs> if you want pizza and pasta, you're going to get the same pizza and pasta in several locations because it's the same company running everything. Yeah, but, I mean, pom- if you the- if you follow, obviously, if you follow Megan's stories of mm. the last month, she oh, was like, been so jealous, inflicting <laughs> mental health problems on us all by following her stories. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, her food, the food was incredible. Obviously, congratulations! They got engaged. Yeah, well that was so cute. Um, and but the food, like, just looked so bespoke. It looked so like as if someone had said, "I want to make good food for someone here." And there we go. Like I remember being in Florida um seventeen years ago, and I was mm. walking around with a drumstick, turkey drumstick, the size of my head. And then we go to Last Chance, and it's obviously not genetically modified turkey drumstick because <laughs> it might as well be a chicken wing yeah um, <laughs> but like you know just little things like that you know it, just that give the people what they want if, if you put a massive drumstick there and call it genetically modified drumstick <laughs> let us have the option for at least a few weeks and if it doesn't sell next to the organic drumstick that's half the size then that's it that's fine we all we all don't want disney check menu en fond mm. The thing is, uh, do you watch uh, Magic Journeys? Mm-hmm. They're these really cool uh, couple uh, who go to California, Anaheim Park all the time. And they basically eat their way through the park. And every single week they have something new. Every single week they have like a whole list of things that are new. And I'm just like, I look at, I watch their stuff and I'm like, I feel so depressed. <laughs> I look at Design Paris and I'm like, why, why? do they get such great handmade made to order things that are just like made in the kitchens right next to them and i look at design paris i'm like i'm so sad that basically what happens at design paris is that the sponsorships they have so many sponsorships with baby bell with vashkari with um nutella um basically the sponsorship teams have so much control at Disneyland Paris, and they really control what food is available at Disneyland Paris. So you le- you can be literally eating a sandwich that is exactly the same as what you would buy at the supermarket, like at your own supermarket, but you're paying 11 or so euro for that sandwich. <laughs> it is... Yeah, I, I, it's the one thing I can't defend, really. Like, Mr. Potter over here, I can't defend um, the quality of the food. And that's why... When you do get quality food, like we went to downtown for the first time, I was like, 
what is happening here? It felt like a new wave. It felt like a new wave was, ha- was happening. Yeah. And in fairness, I'm, I'm a much bigger fan of Stark than you are. Um, mm. I know <laughs> you won't get into <laughs> that before the watershed, but um, oh, it is after the watershed. It's well after the watershed you're, where you are. But um, yes. <laughs> like, I'm just, see, I go to Stark, it's, it's a low bar, okay? I'm just like, that is a big bowl of carbs with some tomato sauce. That is going to satisfy. Yeah, that is just, just going to satisfy. That's that's all I want. Just going to put put carbohydrates into my body and then we can keep going in the parks. Whereas, you know, Stark Factory is not a dining experience and it will never be a dining experience. <laughs> so, like, Pim, I kind of got downtown vibes off Pim um, and I was kind of like, okay, this is something. Then we have a bit of jambalaya. We have corn dogs. You know, we have that spicy fried chicken that they took away, I think. Did they? Did they? I don't I remember. So. Um, but like the massive burger um, isn't that appetizing to look at, even though like apparently it's it's good meat in there. Um, the hot dog. Yeah, uh, the things know. I like about Pim's were not the big things. It was like the the stuff on the side. A lot of the food was really delicious. I'm, I'm, I love Pim's so much, but definitely it's one of those ones where like the selling points are not the, the tastiest things that, that are there at all. Yeah, the um, Pim's Kitchen has has given my Facebook group the biggest laugh and like the most most engagement of a post in the last year, where I think somebody went in. And oh, is this about they, the blue blue the blue thing? the blue? <laughs> yeah, I'm not actually sure the details of it, but I think it wasn't blue mayo. It was oh, it's blue custard. They have blue, was or is it, it blue mustard? It was something something strong, um, but yeah, it just didn't didn't um. <laughs> didn't hit the mark with the customer <laughs> but um oh, no, I, I, I think really want to try they the, were looking the for custard mix, they were looking for custard to go with their oh they put mayo pudding. on yes and yes. instead of putting <laughs> custard they put mayonnaise yeah oh no they put something a, a sauce that they had there yeah it was definitely, yeah that made me laugh so much dessert. yeah um i also think it's very funny the way you call all desserts pudding that's it's that's very endearing for british people <laughs> The British part of the British part of you is pudding because uh, yeah we watch Great British Bake Off and stuff and you know everything's a pudding. Well, technically not, but yes, <laughs> <laughs> nearly ninety-five percent of desserts are puddings. Yeah, I mean a cake is a cake. That's technically not a pudding, but everything else can be pudding. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, so we've done Avengers Campus. Um, how are we feeling about the Christmas season so far? I'm in love. I love to be honest. Yeah, but what about the Christmas season? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they really outdid themselves with entertainment this year. Entertainment meets um, the shows. They extended the Let's Sing Christmas, so it is a full-on show. It's just such a shame that it's at Hyperion. It should, for me, technically, I would remove the Lion King show just for Christmas. And put that in there because it deserves or 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 put it into the Minnie Mouse meat area in yeah. studios. Yeah, you could do like state of that would make studio. more sense. Also, yeah, state of the art theater and they use it for and they can use they can use the Hyperion theater as a meet and greet, like they did with the Star Wars stuff, which I loved so much because they had to yeah, do set pieces and stuff. Um, well, it made the food better at Cafe Hyperion. Looking at so you can see Chewbacca did actually. and Kylo Ren, yeah. Because you kind of like, feel like weren't oh, focusing I have, on the food. <laughs> I have dinner and a show. You know, you can't complain yeah. too much. Um, it's like um, 
it's like cowboy uh what's it called the uh, wild west show back again yeah buffalo bills <laughs> buffalo bills yes gosh i forgot Rest about that peace. yes um but no christmas they entertainment wise it is perfect really i think we probably have the best the best entertainment for christmas than any other park except tokyo <laughs> because it's, yeah. it's really the well that's just the fact that we have multiple shows going on at christmas that's already much more like much more shows than anyone else has um and the christmas parade is always amazing they have changed it obviously because last year was a bit of a disaster for everyone <laughs> but um yes. it makes more sense now and it really gives people opportunities to see like for example the nighttime version of the show the parade for the town square where they light up the tree um they go round the entire plaza twice so you get to see everything twice like all the floats all the characters go by us twice which i think is pretty cool i mean yes it was nice last year when they were stationary so you can actually have even more deeper interactions with characters but at least this time you can get to see everything as it goes around um and of course the hub shows are always really cool and really amazing and now they have pyrotechnics it just looks like such a well put together show food on the other hand it's this <laughs> it's actually disappointing because last year's christmas food was much better and there was more variety like for example lucky nugget had the christmas dinner menu where they have the um the turkey the stuffing the potatoes they had like a whole christmas thing situation going on they had, had also more, more regional european traditional that were mickeyfied or plutified um desserts that were more branded now it's just kind of like oh here's just a little cornet that we made for halloween and all the other ones <laughs> um so it's a little disappointing this year i'm not gonna lie when it comes to food victoria's is the only place that has like a full thing of food and actually you asked me um about the waffle because you yes. were saying how expensive the waffle was actually the the waffle was the best thing at victoria's <laughs> Okay, because like my thinking is that there's a cart in front of um, Studio One, you know, where Minnie Mouse meets. Yes. And they do Mickey waffles, like the full Mickey waffles. And you can get a sauce on there. And I think it's like five or six euro. And this, waff this waffle in Victoria is because it's a salted caramel, is it? It's salted caramel with whipped cream plus white chocolate. And the waffle itself is actually made to order. It's like okay. super fluffy, super like, you know, when the waffle is fresh and it has that kind of eggy wobbly yeah, consistency, yeah. right? It's, it's, you can tell it's really super fresh and it's big. It's huge. Yeah. But it's nine euros. So I want to be <laughs> like, I mean, my problem with my problem with snacks at Disneyland Paris is that like, you can't get them like when you want them. Like, it's kind of like we went for Halloween, obviously, and that we tried to get, um, it was the the waffle on a stick job. That was and a travesty. The the fact that two weeks into the Halloween season, everything was sold out and it didn't come back at all. Like it didn't even return to at all for the rest of the season. That to me is also just annoying because what's the point of advertising it on your social media platforms and everything when you don't have the items available to purchase? Um but with Christmas, it seems that they're much more put together. But I've always known that Christmas time 
when it comes to snack, it's never really an issue of stock because Christmas season is much longer than the Halloween season itself. And they're always focused more on the kind of product of Christmas more than they ever do with Halloween. So yeah, and we will put a big caveat that and back to be, back to being positive is that yes, you know, <laughs> everything everything at Christmas is included in your in your ticket price. Like yes, there's nothing you don't have to pay like for anything else. That's quite like they run several Christmas parties in in Florida, I know, and probably California as well. And yes. they're another you know seventy, eighty, ninety dollars on top of your day ticket price. So what are we looking for here? Are we, are we looking for um more and want to pay more or are we just happy with i mean i think one of the asian parks is super cheap is it tokyo that's like 50 dollars to get in mm-hmm. into the park and um, yeah, so we can't compete with that but you know we don't have earthquakes so that's handy <laughs> it is true i think one one thing i would say with with just to close that chapter is that the only reason why i want Disneyland paris to have better snacks and better food it's because i i'm firm believer that people will pay more if everything was done well if that made sense so Sorry, is this bob chapek on the line <laughs> yes. pay more oh my god the fact bob that Chaycek, he's gone up bob paycheck has put on a wig and is talking is talking about <laughs> decreasing numbers I. and increasing prices yes <laughs> wow um, um but yeah are we going to get on to bob are we going to do the bob be bob chat should we give it are we happy no. are you happy to be honest i will have to say i'm happy but indifferent at the same time you know people often want to make bob Iger look like the jesus figure <laughs> um, but the reality is a lot of the things that has been put in place at the beginning of bob chapak's career as ceo has been put in place by Iger himself People often forget, and also that goes for Josh as well. I feel like Josh also should have a lot of blame on so him much. as well. Yeah. Because he also put forward a lot of things that really fucked up the park experience for a lot of people. Um, and for me, I want to see what Iger will do. The difference between Bob Iger and Bob Chapek is not the fact that one is more creative and one has um is a business-minded person. They're both extremely business-minded. They both know how to make money. The yeah, difference is, is that Bob Iger understands the, the the deal of relationships. He knows how to put relationships forward in a way that is mutually beneficial, even if they he's making a huge markup on that relationship, if that made sense. Like he is yeah. going to make you pay extra for something, but then he will give you something even small in return for goodwill. That is the difference between the two is that one has the idea of, okay, there is a weird relationship between customer, guest and staff, and there needs to be something, uni- you know, mutually beneficial for the, for the two in order for this to work. Bob Chakepack was very much into, oh, I'm just going to make hardline money moves and I'm not going to care about what other people think, including the people who works for him. And that is a problem because at that point, you know, who were you doing all this for? Just for you. Yeah, like That's I made fine. a point on the Instagram the other day that that the cast members like like they just need a change. I think like a change is better than anything because I think JPEG has got the worst hospital pass in corporate history with COVID and and Disney. Like you know, with the no, parks he, closed he, he for had, so long, he had a hard hand to deal with, really. But he put his foot in so much with mm. things that he said, 
Um, we have the whole Florida LGBT bill. We have we do so many decisions and Scarlett Johansson like oh my god seriously you could you have a 37 million dollar bonus and you couldn't (laughs) give her 20 mil yeah you don't you don't you don't mess with Scarlett and get away with me um (laughs) but like there were so many things that he sat down with his yes people every CEO has yes people and they made decisions over several hours and days and then he spoke the words and they were you know conscientious decisions to, to say certain things and he just completely messed up. And that's putting it mildly, you know, mm-hmm. like unfavorables, unfavorable mix of of guests, you know, calling annual pass holders unfavorables. And I mean, it goes on and on. I think I think he, he constantly calls the guests consumers, you know, because Yeah. You know, it's and business, keeps but... talking about like demand within the he's he's just really bad at understanding the the relationship between the brand he's actually representing because if it was any other brand I wouldn't have felt bad but because Disney has positioned themselves in such a specific way where it is about magic it's about inclusivity and all this stuff that they talk about but you have to that has to be shown within a certain amount of of the corporate I don't know, ethics of the entire company. I heard him talk about, talk. he might have been talking to cast members at the time, but obviously there's different sections of cast members where you have, you know, people who are directly interfacing with guests and then you have people who are in studios who never see uh, customers or like consumers. But this is a quote from him and, and I'm going to paraphrase it because um, <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the brief break there, I was trying to get the quote up here. Um, but he basically said that people don't come to Disneyland for the parks or for the for the castles and for the um you know the, the lands that the imagineers have built they come for the the cast guest interactions pretty much only like if and he went on to expand on this so he's obviously talking about this a lot he went on to say that and um, when you go home after a trip you're not going to talk to your friends about you know buildings and and pieces of of set you're going to talk about you know I met certain characters and or a certain cast member in a certain shop was so nice to me and that sort of thing. And to he had a point to an extent, but, but like, could you imagine how demoralizing that would be if you were working on creating a new land or like whatever, like Imagineers, like, I don't know if there's any limit to what Imagineers do. Like imagine you're sitting there and you're working on a five-year project like the Shudos expansion and you hear the guy in charge. Like, and this is not like Bob Iger, I've spoken to cast members who've been like Irish cast members who work in Irish Disney offices and there's very few of them. But like whenever they got an email from Bob, it was always like, this is a great day. We got a mail from Bob, Bob Iger. Sorry, <laughs> I don't call it <laughs> JPEG Bob. <laughs> um, and, and they were just so happy with this. And they like the email that they got through the day, um, they had to like hit their laptop and say like, sorry, what? What is this happening? Like is this, mm. this is a, a this is like a dream or something. And it wasn't whatever he was saying. You know, he just he just rolled out typical CEO coming back. You know that kind of uh, waffle. <laughs> no, but and I mean his his internal like, email was so well written. Like I said, it's he knows how to build relationships with people. He's polished, yeah, big time. Yeah, no matter who it is, he understands that relationships are so important in order to get the the whole thing rolling. They're everything. They're everything. Mm. Like I, I put on Instagram that, you know, imagine the pep in your step that you would have going into work that day. Like this goes down to everybody. Like imagine, 
if you're a greeter, you know, in, in Disneyland Paris, like your smile is going to be bigger. That, mm. that translates to guest experience. Like if you're a cleaner, <laughs> I know it sounds very kind of, um, I don't even know what the word explains it, but you, you might like, just go above and beyond that day to make the park cleaner than it, it could, it could, it was while you were demoralized, you know, and that makes a huge difference and, and it's free, you know, it's free to be nice and it's free to build those relationships. And that exactly. is the CEO as the, spe- as the spearhead of the, of the company. Like you're basically, you know, a monarch for the company. I know you make decisions, but like all, all roads lead to the CEO and that person embodies the company. I think a lot, a lot of staff, no matter where they are, whether they work in the parks, at the desks, in the, I mean, as you know, here where I am living, I have so many um, buildings that are just owned by Disney and that are literally Disney workers working for reservations, working for the um, European sector of the Disney corporate. And you can just tell that there was just a sense of, oh, like another year people are, you know, people are going to get fired. People are just not going to come back. All the good workers were leaving. That was the most annoying thing about this whole thing is that with Bob Chapak being so hard on squeezing, changing how bonuses work for a lot of people within corporate and reservation desks, the fact that people just needed, they just needed someone to believe in them and to actually see what they were doing. And this is one thing about Design Paris. And like we were going on such a big tangent <laughs> on um on the CEO, but it does reflect in the parks. Um, and if you guys want to know a little bit more about Design Paris, the the idea is that Design Paris is really run by middle management, like for for one hundred percent sure. But when it came to, for example, the huge shortage of staff that we had this year because of COVID obviously COVID being the majority of the reason why people left uh, the entertainment sector and um, parts of the sectors of Disneyland Paris, instead of raising a competitive salary for people so that they can afford to come to work for Disney, so that they can have an incentive to work for Disneyland Paris specifically, they instead lowered the age, gave no permanent contracts to anyone. So you have these people who are like in their middle middle-aged people while working with 16 17 year olds with no real life experiences who are not even maybe for example i heard um, from reservations is that they even hiring there and these people are people who have to be trained to a certain level and the fact that you have teenagers working with you having the same sometimes the same salary as you even though you've been working for, for five years that's crazy that there is no potential yeah. growth for someone working within the Disneyland Paris company. That for me, it has been just an absolutely ridiculous amount of crazy. Like how can you treat the people who work for you that badly and not make them afford to, to even stay with you? Yeah. Because there's okay. people who Disneyland Paris industries. right now who work full time and they have a second job. Like, I don't know where the people went missing during COVID because it feels like every industry just lost 20% of its employees, you know, like, and then you're this weirdest recession. We're going off tangent here big time. <laughs> but um, <laughs> like this weirdest, this weirdest recession is apparently coming that, that, you know, you can't get staff. There's no, pretty much no unemployment. 
and yet we can't get staff and we're heading into recession it's to strangers it is making weird. up your recession ever yeah but like that like i see it in in finance that like the young people getting hired and um they're coming in and like you said similar wages to someone there a long time and that's just that's just the industry um and it's not it. that i'm it's saying m- that young people shouldn't have a foot in the yeah. door because i i do believe that you know people should have opportunities but i also think it's kind of like irresponsible to have someone have a not being able to have a, a better salary because you're willing to cheap out basically cheap labor <laughs> instead of implementing something yeah. better yeah <laughs> but yeah I mean, Disneyland Paris is going to Disneyland Paris. For Disneyland Paris, it's always been a a survival mode. I think that's just something that Disneyland Paris is going to take such a long time, especially now, to get out of that mindset of just like, we have to run on zero all the time. Even though they made the most amount of money. Back to being positive. Yeah. (laughs) Back to being a little bit positive. Mm. Like, when you look at the roadmap for Disneyland Paris, like, Mm. it's nothing but good news. And no... Like with you know the lake in the studios, and obviously not going to touch Disneyland Park because you know it's like a relic. It's like you don't touch it. It's ho- the holy ground. Um, I've seen an awful lot of um kind of fan mock-ups of them shoehorning Galaxy's Edge into Discoveryland or into behind the Discoveryland. Yeah, there's not have enough. You, have space. you seen that? <laughs> definitely they've, not they've, just, they've, they've mapped it they've mapped it completely one for one and it's like really it's almost it's almost as if um i need to find I'll, I'll i'll send you on the link to the tweets and stuff after but they they've perfectly mapped it and perfect space for it it's almost as if the like imagineers 30 years ago were leaving space for this you know and um, i often think that what i can say about that specifically when it comes to the history of design paris discovery land is not supposed to look like what it is right now no, it, it's a bit of a it's, mismatch. It, it was supposed moment. to be Discovery Mountain. And it was supposed to be this whole thing. Definitely, guys, if you ever want to learn more, you can look it up. It's called Discovery Mountain Design Paris. And you can basically see how everything was supposed to be. It was supposed to be amazing. It was probably one of the first properly immersive lands that would have been back in the early 2000s. Um, but the problem with Design Paris has always been um, not enough staff space. And actually, a lot of the spaces now that Design Paris has is illegal because their staff rooms are too small. I believe that, yeah. <laughs> so I will believe um, that. Th- there's a lot of other things that, that needs to be contentious. But I will say, you know, when um, they were talking to the Imagineers uh, of some parts of Design Paris, I believe either in D23 or was prior to that during the Marvel opening, um that Adventureland is probably the most put forward and probably the closest to having a new attraction or new something because there is a space in the back of that land that could be utilised for something even better. Yeah, that was the 30th anniversary um, Imagineers yeah. panel. Panel, yeah. yes, exactly. And um, yeah, the, the base, and like you go on the Disneyland Railroad, you'll see there's just like a lot it's of land empty. there. Yeah. And I was like, look it's at like, this wonderful empty space. Yeah. Um, it'd be interesting to see what they put in there. Like, they're obviously talking about um, Coco, Zootopia in Florida. You know, they're the It was all hypothetical, IPs. but yeah. Encanto. Oh, yeah. I, it was totally I like, wish. I, I, would, 
I wish. I wish that the third suspected park of Disneyland Paris would just be that. I'd be more than yeah. happy. But they have some deadline coming up soon. Obviously, they've got to build a new park, don't they? Um, yes. I think it's 2050, I believe. 2050? 50. It's not that they have <laughs> to have it built, but they have to have the like the permits and, and yeah. to get it started. Yeah. But definitely there is a big space. There's a huge, huge space for another park here. Yeah, maybe a, maybe some sort of uh, for two months of the year we need a water park, or just maybe they <laughs> could just throw, say, throw some. Do we need a water park? <laughs> yeah, maybe just maybe just well, like in, in the Asian parks, they run Splash Mountain dry in the winter, and it works fine. I don't know how um, everyone would be freezing arseholes. No, I would think you know they were talking about having a villains park or a villains thing. They could definitely yes. do it here. Our, our weather okay. is gloomy half the time anyway, so might as well. Yeah, it would. It would really fit because obviously the castle is the best castle and it looks obviously it's it's um, Aurora's castle and you know you could do something focused heavily on Maleficent as always is with the villains mm. and that would that would fit perfectly and, and if you want to put that in behind um, you know knock down Indiana Jones and put something in there that would work really well for villains. That's my hope for for before I die, I just want to get rid of Indiana Jones and just put something really magnificent on that side. That's all I want. <laughs> I hate Indiana Jones so much. I went Me on too. Once, uh, the thing is, people single, have uh, such a cult following, but then I'm like, if you ever experience Indiana Jones in California, you you can't go back. You can't unsee yeah. it. You cannot unsee it. I went on, and I, I'm a single rider, and just like jumped on thinking, okay, I'm going to go nip away from the family here and just jump on the ride. Single rider, two minute queue on. And nearly simultaneously lost my passports, my glasses and everything because I didn't know about the loop de loop <laughs> and came off with an awful migraine and just like... Oh, backache as I felt, well. I felt, like I, was, I, was in a, I felt like I was in a car crash <laughs> um, in the middle of the ride. And I was expecting like, okay, this looks like Big Thunder Mountain. This can be fun. And they just, they, can they shoehorn a little roller coaster into it looks like it looks like something from a fairground ride. I like was about to say it, it feels yeah. like a fairground attraction. It really does. I mean, yeah. cash. But um, they haven't like, and I think I think it was like Eddie Sato on on Twitter the other day. You know, he's an Imagineer, mm -hmm. and he was saying that they did such a good job with Disneyland Park that because because they did such a good job with it, um. I'd a, they don't have to touch it, and B, and um, they don't want it because they don't have to with the money with the, with the money wise. Mm -hmm. they're, they're afraid of ruining it. They're afraid of ruining it, and um, if it's so good, they just don't want to touch it. You know. But for me, so, the only two areas that need to have something to it is Discoveryland and Adventureland. Like yeah. they can everything else. Thunder Mesa can stay the way it is for another fifty years, and it'll be fine. Ah, like Frontierland is perfect. Yeah, it's, it's Fantasyland doesn't need to change because it's Fantasyland. Like, it do it doesn't need to change either. But Discoveryland is such a mishmash of of just everything. Now it just needs to have a cohesion. Like it just needs to have one vision, one mind to it. They and Adventureland no, is just a, a waste of space. Yeah, they could do it putting a warning on a Snow White ride that it's scarier than Phant Phantom Manor. <laughs> because that is like, true, though, and I also it gives you. I, like... I don't know about you, but I get huge back problems whenever I go on Peter Pan and on Snow White because the rickety side to side Twisty, action yeah. 
yeah but yeah also i saw someone recently say like if you have back problems um and you're going to the lion king show go to the very back because then you get a bit of back support <laughs> these are things oh, you don't yeah, think good about point. yeah i didn't think but your miles back is a good idea you need, you need a zoom lens um <laughs> so what what next year um are we thinking that illumination is going to come back it is coming back oh well the, the thing is <laughs> the way i'm going to explain to it is going to make sense the reason why illuminations will come back is because we have a whole like basically a year left of the 30th anniversary show so we don't have they don't have to put in a new show right now but what would be clever for them is to let the 30th anniversary run its course to september and then after halloween christmas where they have the you know the shows that they usually have on anyway um illuminations is never really the big staple of those two seasons after that, they can then have a new show because then they need an incentive to get people to get into Design Paris. Because for now, we have so many incentives, obviously seasonal incentives like Christmas and Halloween. And then of course the 30th anniversary birthday. And then next year also is the 100th anniversary of Disney in general. After next year, it's going to be nothing. They'll we'll literally have nothing big to plan. So from what I understand it is that that is when they were thinking of bringing a new show, especially because the Olympics will not be that far away from that either. So yeah, 2024 be... is, is huge. Like, yeah. Um, so it's we not going looking, to be... Are we not looking at the Disney Village revamp, the Disneyland Hotel opening? Disney Hotel like, opening, yes. Um, maybe something on the lake opening in studios. They are thinking... If, if it goes well, yeah. Yeah, they are thinking of bringing um, back the Star Wars season. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to say Star Wars uh, Galaxy's <laughs> Edge today. No, <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, that is dead in there. the water, Stu. That, that's not happening. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm fine. Like, I'm just like, I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. I, I like it. You know, I don't unlike I, it. I really dislike like it. it. I think when it does on Paris of Star Wars, it does it really well. Like the the fourth uh the fourth of May was really yes. really good. Um, what was I gonna say? But yeah, the the Legends of the Force uh season that they used to have in the winter time, with sometimes with the Frozen thing, which didn't make sense, but yes, um, I think they have been talks about it bringing coming back next year. Don't know to what capacity. I don't know if that's actually confirmed, but that's what I've been hearing from inside that they are thinking of bringing it back either next year or the year afterwards, which will make sense because they have the shows for um in front of Tower of Terror already set up. Already they already know the layout of everything for that show. Um I would would probably think maybe they could do like a Marvel situation because obviously they have everything next to that also. But yeah, for now it's just the the lake opening, obviously, afterwards, and then the hotel, which will be interesting to see when it opens. Not 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 too far in the future now. Which yes, expensive. Are you saving up yet? Yeah. (laughs) No, I mean I don't need to stay in hotels, luckily. So it's just going to be me going into the hotel, like, what can I see? What can I do? But yeah, anyone who's planning to go, I hope you have a couple thousand with you. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's gonna be very expensive like I'm, I'm just looking forward to having we have great memories of um 
oh, the name has inventions. inventions. Yes, inventions. And the Princess for a Day, maybe some sort of bippity boppy boutique going on there with the whole princess team. Yeah. Um, they probably will do like princess meet and greet. Yes, there will be exclusive meet and greets for hotel guests only, I believe. Absolutely. Yeah. The, um... and, I, and I will I will go in with my cap in hand and say, oh, is it, is it busy in there? Can I just pop in for a second? Because <laughs> that works sometime at, at Avengers, at a Hotel New York. If you go yeah. up to the if you go up to the cast member and be nice about it and say, oh, you know, you know, kind of doing social media here. <laughs> and then say, um, I won't I won't want to meet the, the characters, just want to go in and maybe take a picture of, of you know the area, whatever. And they look, they look at you, look at the card, look at you, look at the card. <laughs> and they go, okay, go on. Yeah. But don't do it with screaming kids. That's the one thing. No. So like, yeah. But the Disneyland Hotel, it has high expectations. Very it high does. expectations. And the thing is, people, when it comes to princesses, I've come to understand that people will pay any price, <laughs> anything that they can do to get near a princess, they will put their pocket and their time into. So I, I have all the faith in the world that they will make money on that one because imagine having the only princess, full princess hotel in the world. Yeah. Well, look, why why isn't there back to painting for a princess? There's... I believe there's two rooms in Princess Pavilion, isn't there? Or is it three? I think it's two. Two, yeah. So if I was a CEO and my um, name rhymed with... Um, paycheck. Paycheck, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would have totally put Premier Access on Princess Pavilion. It's because like, it doesn't that's... need it. That's the, un- that's the weird thing about Princess Pavilion is that I've come to understand from... My my, I literally I've not been to Princess Pavilion until this month, and each time I've gone up to it, it says ninety minutes. But when you get inside, it's not even half an hour. Because mm, when I went to Halloween, and we had an amazing interaction with Tiana, um, it was ninety minutes, and it was a hundred minutes wait. So, I mean, obviously, I it's all, you have to check what the situation's like, but on most of the weekdays, it's never that long yeah all my friends all the way up to the mirror with like all the way walked walked in all the way up to the mirror and from the mirror in was 100 minutes really don't know what was going on well but i I, like the other thing also you have to you have to also check the disability queue as well because if that's particularly long then it will 100 make the regular queue absolutely huge even if like the queue itself is not big it will take so much of the time away yeah, because I've heard that just for people listening, if they got this far in the podcast. Yes, <laughs> um, if you got this like, far with all, all the chat. <laughs> with, the, with the disability queue, the um, the priority pass magic for all queue, like, um, you know, that can be, still be quite long for, for Princess Pavilion. That can be up to 30 minutes. And yes. like for an awful lot of people who, you know, sense, sensory issues and things like that, like they, that's not an option really, like 30 minutes queuing. Um, yeah, the, so the problem with it's... with the disability queue at Princess Pavilion is that even if, um, obviously they give you times if it's really busy to come back, and queue, but the queue is always really long. So if you have any issues, which I think is really unfortunate, is that they don't have a lot of seating area. They have yeah. just like one bench at the top. If you have issues when it comes to standing for for a long time or have uncomfortable issues where you need back support or you need some sort of help, there really is no way to kind of make that experience better at the moment. I think 
Princess Pavilion at the moment is not the best place to meet princesses because it just, it takes too long. And the actual like area itself is not really made up to make everyone's experience comfortable for now. Yeah. Well, like obviously you have Auberge and mm. you know, I think you could probably get rid of the food in Auberge and just have it as a pay 80 euro to meet four princesses. You know, I agree. And, like I, I like, I like the food. Um, I mean, that's not why people well, go. That that's the funny no, thing exactly. I always say to people: people are not going for the food. You're going to to meet three, four, five princesses in one time, which you know, if you're into princesses, that's not a bad idea. Is to spend that money for auberge at all? Yeah, I know people who won't go to auberge because of the food, and that just defeats the purpose for me because I think the food is basically free when you're thinking about a hundred minutes plus for Prince of Pavilion. Um, you know. Even if you're on minimum wage, it's good good value to go to Auberge. <laughs> yeah. These four princesses. Yeah. I mean, you 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 basically have such a great experience to have one on one time with each princess. For me, like personally, I would never do it because, you know, I don't. I've never had to. It's never been my problem. But um, if that is something you're interested in, one hundred percent do it. Like I totally encourage people to do Auberge if princesses is your number one thing that you want to see or is one of your kids favorite thing you don't have to bring your whole family into auberge you can just bring that one child that really exactly. would care i told someone just... this the day mm. and they said oh my god i never thought of that like obviously generally it's going to be the mom with the daughter going into auberge yeah you know anybody can go in but that's generally how it works and um they were like i never thought about sending the others off somewhere else <laughs> it's like 80 euro per adult and I think 40 per child mm-hmm. so if they're, they're going to sit there you're paying if they don't like princesses you're paying 40 euro for uh, pumpkin soup pa- plain pasta with tomato sauce and then a nice Cinderella shoe yeah um, so yeah and that's elsewhere. for everything nice. too like if I think a lot of people get hung up on doing things together but I think sometimes you can be miserable together. <laughs> like, and this this could be with kids and without kids. This could be being in a group in general, right? I think people get really hung up of, I'm gonna, we're all gonna do this and that and this and this together. I think like, you know, if if people have their own interests, don't be afraid to kind of break away into separate areas. Like if one person, if some people want to go to Waltz, like go to waltz if some people want to do certain buffets let them do the certain buffets you know especially when it comes to experiences like auberge or um plaza gardens plaza gardens yes yeah i think to myself like plaza inn no that's the wrong one yeah. uh, plaza gardens like those experiences have to be worth the money for those who experience it like it's wasted on people who do not want to meet characters because you can have better food elsewhere or you can have yeah. food that you might generally enjoy elsewhere. It's a small area, Disneyland Park, you know, like, mm. and so studio is even smaller. But like, you can easily walk around the entire park in about forty-five minutes. So like, mm-hmm. you can head off with whoever wants to go on a certain ride and then split up and have a much happier day. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, have we one covered last everything? Question. Huh? <laughs> Have you covered everything Disney related for the for the rest of the year? <laughs> mm, sorry, what's the question? What do I have anything planned? 
now have we have we covered everything so what's what's your what's your one last question this is like this is like an apple oh, event where it's like oh, i know one we've last gone thing. on forever now <laughs> um my last question is just basically what is the number one advice you would give to people who are first coming to design paris like they've never experienced anything in the in this park or the parks what is the number one advice that you would give to someone who just wants to get started on kind of thinking about everything and um, well apart from saving up or starting to save um i would <laughs> say that like like even and on that point like disneyland paris can be done on multiple levels of budgets and um, mm. a lot of people will walk into a travel agent and you know you can get great travel agents or you can get bad travel agents and a bad travel agent will you know you've always gone to them for your spanish holiday and you go in for disneyland paris and they can only sell a certain amount of hotels and therefore they make you think that that's all there's left in disneyland paris like i had recently a, a family with um you know a child who had autism and the, the package they were told that was this is all they had um, mm. was a club room in Hotel New York and 6 a.m. flights going over and 10 p.m. flights coming back. And that's just mm. not going to work for that particular family. And, you know, I'm not a magician whatsoever. Like I have Skyscanner, Kayak, Booking.com and a few other websites. And like you can take it, like if you can afford to take another day in your trip that will just make everything much less stressful you know if you're getting a priority pass then you can probably fill a lot more in without adding on the stress um so don't always take yeah don't always i like price up and get about like five different options and it can feel it can feel overwhelming because you don't know the parks and you don't know the airports and you don't know but like i think like i said charles de gaulle three nights in Sequoia that like that nearly covers everybody's wants maybe not and, and their needs you know so um you won't go far wrong from that but don't take your local travel agent you know there's good travel agents too we all know who they are and they will work for you you know they're, they're getting a cut make them work for you you know if, if they're not if you're looking to book restaurants and they say oh it's on the app and they say okay, well, can you show me how to work the app and give me the booking reference number, et cetera. If they say to you, no, we can't help you with that, get mm. your money back. Yeah. They'll help you. They will help you if you ask for your money back. Um, because, yeah, it's just, it, it's it's not that hard. You know, I'm not a genius. And um, people talk to me as if I have saved them completely. And in fairness, from some bad deals that people get, I do save people like one or two thousand euro per trip and it's crazy and i'm flabbergasted because like most places most times that i go i stay in the cheapest hotel i can because it's all about the parks for me mm. like i know the, the bubble is important to people and you know walking back to your hotel is, is a big factor for some people but i mean you have an awful lot of cheap hotels within either two train stops or 10 minute taxi and those hotels drop your costs considerably and you'll still mm. get to the park at 8 30 and 9 30 and you'll still leave at the same time as everyone else the fireworks will look the same when you hug mickey mouse it'll still be the same hug you know pay for what's important don't don't um don't pay for what's not there you go good Mic advice drops. good advice well thank you for coming on to the podcast i know we've been talking for so long 
<laughs> it's been a pleasure. I'm sure you can cut it down to the best bits. <laughs> I'm sure I can. I mean, you guys know that we'll we'll leave what is what is important, what it's great. But yeah, thank you so much for joining us. And to be honest, we'd love to have you again because your advice is so invaluable to people. Well, thank you for having me and thank you for all your content. Make sure you check out Disney Paris Andy yeah. on Instagram. Plus we have uh, our own Instagram as well here at the DLP Clubhouse podcast. Yes. Sorry, I keep forgetting the IG account for this <laughs> one. Um, what What is your IG account or where can people find you? At Disneyland Paris Tips for Irish on Instagram. We have a, a 29,500 private Facebook group. So just search for Disneyland Paris Tips for Irish. Amazing. Um, we have we have a TikTok where I do, do no dancing. <laughs> um, and we have a Twitter, which is DLPTFI. That's just for banter. Awesome. Thank you guys for listening. Next episode, me and Nisha will be back together. And yeah, thank you for joining us and I'll see you soon. Bye.